What's in a name? This is Ephraim Zimbalist Jr. of the FBI television series. If yours is Bernie or Bernard, it means bold as a bear. Bernard Baruch, Bernard McFadden, and George Bernard Shaw made good use of their names. And though you may never be a statesman, muscle man, or famous playwright, as a warrant officer, you do possess a unique rank of importance. You can be called upon to perform special duties in your responsibility between non-commissioned and commissioned ranks. What's in a name? Plenty. Next, the golden days of radio. This is Frank Brzee welcoming you to the golden days of radio. Great moments from radio programs of the past with the world's most famous personalities. Those memorable moments when everyone listened to enjoy the make-believe world of radio. On this program, we are featuring Judy Garland, excerpts from two of radio's popular quiz shows, plus some exciting moments from radio detective and mystery programs. One of the infrequent appearances on radio was of young singer Judy Garland. But in 1939, she sang her big hit from The Wizard of Oz, Over the Rainbow. On Sunday afternoons, radio listeners could enjoy comedy, mystery, music, and quiz programs like this one. Quick as a flash. Quicker than a fleeting second hand. Quicker than the blinking of an eye. Quicker than both is the reaction of the mind of man. 
Ladies and gentlemen, this is Ken Roberts inviting you to test the speed of your reaction in a series of dramatic races. Can you really act quick as a flash? Well, test your wits against our six contestants in this abbreviated version of Quick as a Flash. Since in our regular Sunday program, we always feature a big mystery race starring your favorite radio detectives, today we think it only fair to put some of those very same detectives on the spot. So we've invited as our contestants Lamont Cranston, alias The Shadow, Nick Carter, and John Shuttleworth of True Detective Mysteries to join the singing stars of Passport to Romance, Mitzi Green and Lawrence Brooks, and Ted Cott, genial host of So You Think You Know Music. In front of each of those ladies and gentlemen is a different colored flash of lightning, which they may light up by pressing a buzzer, like this. <coughs> and now for our first race. We're going to tell the story of a very famous event, dropping clues as we speed along. As soon as you recognize the event, stop the description by flashing on your streak of lightning. The one who first gets it right wins but you'll only get one chance in each race. So on your mark, as soon as you know this event, act quick as a flash. The small squadron moved swiftly through the early morning air. The mission on their calendar that freezing morning was one that could not be postponed. Now they were flying over the city that was their destination, and still they had not been heard. The city itself lay quiet, completely unaware that anything unusual was afoot. Then suddenly, in one explosive moment, it awoke to find itself the center of attention throughout the world. For from above, the small squadron had dropped a package that was more potent than dynamite. This was something that all humanity could share. For the first time in recorded history, five of the great winged birds had made direct hits. And here's the flash of another streak of lightning, and this time it's in front of uh, Mitzi Green of Passport to Romance. And Mitzi, what's your answer? Oh, can I say it was the birth of the Dion Quintuplets? Well, you'd say the right thing, and you've won our first trick of the flash race. Mitzi Green, you just got a lot of mileage out of five gals. Quick as a Flash has been recalling that exciting moment when people all over the world sat up and took notice, and took notice of the birth of the, of the Dion Quintuplets. And, of course, it was in Calendar, Ontario, that the Quins were born. Well, Mitzi Green, you seem to know... <laughs> you seem to know a great deal about these five little girls. <clears throat> Excuse me, would you like to have five daughters, Mitzi? All at one time? <laughs> <laughs> Well, Mitzi, they do say that Mrs. Dion's achievement was quite remarkable. Well, I guess it's uh, all depends on how you look at it, Ken. I know that when I was just a little kid in vaudeville, I thought nothing of doing four a day. <laughs> well, Mitzi, now that you've grown up, you're still one of our favorites. It was you who acted quick as a flash. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I'm afraid that's all the races we'll have time for, but we've lots more in store for you every Sunday afternoon at 5.30 Eastern Daylight Saving Time. Until then, this is Ken Roberts reminding you that it always pays to be quick as a flash. Probably the most remembered of all quiz programs was heard on Sunday evening. If you've ever heard the slogan, you'll be sorry, or that's the $64 question, it originated on Take It or Leave It. When the program went on the air in 1943, no one knew that it would make radio history, but it became the first quiz show to enjoy the distinction of making the top 20 in the Hooper ratings. And the MC was the well-known performer, Phil Baker. This is Phil Baker, ladies and gentlemen, following through with Take It or Leave It. And here's our next contestant coming up to the microphone coming up is right, <laughs> who is Seaman Milton Slater of the United States Maritime Service. Hello, sailor. Glad to have you with us. Thank you, sir. 
Welcome to Take It or Leave It. Seaman Slater, uh, tell me, are you married? Couldn't catch me yet. No one can catch me. No one caught you yet, eh? No, sir. Sailor, you're just asking for it. <laughs> uh, tell me, how do you like the Merchant Marine? I like it okay. Um, all during the war, I saw sailors come into New York with big, bushy beards. Uh, did you raise a beard? Well, uh, once I let my beard grow for about uh, six weeks. Six weeks? Was it becoming? Well, it was always becoming, but it never became. Never became. <laughs> I mean, it was nothing to make a fuss about, eh? <laughs> You'll be sorry. Well, Sailor, if you win the $64 tonight, what are you going to do with the money? What am I going to do with the money? Well, uh, I'm going to go see the art museums. Art museums, yeah, I see. A little closer, please. Yeah. What else are you going to do? Well, I'm uh, going to take a bus ride. A bus ride, you know. <laughs> That's nice. And then? Well, I want to go up and see the uh, botanical gardens. Botanical gardens? <laughs> oh, you're going to have fun, brother. <laughs> and then what are you going to do? Well, I might visit Grant's tomb. Grant's tomb? <laughs> Look, son, the museums and Grant's tomb and all that stuff is okay, but uh, what about the girls? Huh? Not for me. You mean to tell me you don't want to get married? Well, I just got out of one war. Why should I get in another one? <laughs> Okay, woman-hater, what category have you selected to discuss with me? Uh, number 13. Okay, we have it here, number 13. Oh, uh, that's about... Uh, maybe you better pick another one. A category you selected is about love. Oh. Well, that's okay, I'll try it. But I thought you were the guy who didn't know anything about love. Well, I... I go to the movies. You... <laughs> you mean you learn about love watching the movie stars on the screen? Mm, a little bit. But I learn more watching the couples in the balcony. Oh, you do. <laughs> okay, Sailor, let's get on with Take It or Leave It. All these questions are about love and lovers. Here we go for one dollar. What are the primary cardiographic reactions to the vascular motor system of a young sailor resulting from osculation with an attractive female? That's uh, fine. You have what? a buck. Would you like to drive a two? <laughs> sure. All right. Here we go for two dollars. Who is the most romantic character in fiction? I'll accept any name but yours. I guess that's uh, Romeo. Romeo is correct. You get a dollar, sir. You get two bucks. Okay? Shall we, uh, shall we go on? Well, no use stopping here. Okay, sell it for four dollars. What great lover besides Jimmy Durante was blessed with a big schnozzola? Oh, uh, that's that, um... Huh? Uh, no help. What? Cyrano. Cyrano de Bergerac. Absolutely correct. You get four bucks for me. All right, you can take it and quit or go on for eight. What do you say? Keep going. All right, here we go for eight. What man was so bashful he had to ask his best friend to propose for him? Come on, speak for yourself, John Slater. Oh, uh, Captain Miles Standish. Captain Miles Standish, yes, sir. <laughs> that is correct. You have $16 coming. Would you like to try for 16 rather? You have eight coming. Well, uh, hmm? sure. Might as well. Uh, okay, here I we go. Came in with nothing, I'll go out with nothing. Came in with nothing, you go out with nothing? <laughs> okay, here we go for nothing. <laughs> Here we go, $16. What king gave up his throne to marry the woman he loved? Oh, oh, the Duke of Windsor. The Duke of Windsor, yes, there is. No help, please. All right, okay, Stella, you have $16 to spend at Grand's tomb. You're going to have a good time, bud. 
Shall we go on for 32? Want to try it for 32? What do you think he ought to do? All right, here we go for $32. What people in the world express affection by rubbing noses instead of kissing? Oh, I, I think that's the Eskimos. Who told you? I met one in Iceland. You met one in Iceland? <laughs> All right, take the icicles off your nose and we'll try it for 64 bucks. What do you say? Gone this far, I'll take a crack at it. Okay, for $64. And, Sailor, if you win the $64, i will get you a blonde to go with it. <laughs> Here we go. You've heard that lovebirds coo at each other. But what does the love call of a wolf sound like? <laughs> you get $64. Dramatic programs reflected the time, such as the FBI in Peace and War. Another great story based on Frederick L. Collins' copyrighted book, The FBI in Peace and War. Drama, thrills, action. Tonight's story, The Traveling Man. To the director, FBI, Washington, confidential. Stolen Buick sedan, motor number 126027, recovered on used car lot, Miami, Florida. Vehicle originally registered in New York City, third recovered to date. Confirming theory, New York to Miami theft ring. We'll continue tracing this vehicle and others with Agent Shepard. Sign it Reynolds through Miami field office. Radio detectives became sharper and brighter, and they all had an expense account. Even Johnny Dollar would list every last nickel he spent. Expense account, item four, five cents, phone call. Police headquarters. Give me missing persons. Any particular one? Don't be a wise guy. Lieutenant Fisher. Oh. Yes, sir. Lieutenant Fisher. Oh, Fisher, this is Johnny Dollar. Well, hello, Dollar. What did you lose? Uh, practically everybody. Let's start with a girl. Theodora Butts. You mean you lost your girl? <laughs> Why don't you call Dorothy Dix? Don't waste time being clever. Just check your reports, will you? Hold on. Buddington. Bumpus. Byers. Nope. Nothing on it, Dollar. Okay, well, uh, try this one. Brooks. Milford III. Bullseye. Brooks. Milford III. He hasn't been reported missing, and we haven't found him yet. But, uh... We think we know where he is. Oh, this kind of a question I always hate to ask. Where? The Hudson River. At 11.15 tonight, his top coat, complete with identification, was found taking a ride on the 125th Street Ferry. Anything else? Mm, nothing much. Package of matches was found under the coat, monogram. Uh, you don't happen to know anybody whose initials are H.H., do you? H.H.? Well, as always Horace Height. Thanks, Fisher. I'll check back with you later. I'll be here. Bill Foreman, as the whistler, enjoyed great popularity during the golden days of radio. I am the whistler, and I know many things, for I walk by night. I know many strange tales hidden in the hearts of men and women who have stepped into the shadows. Yes, 
I know the nameless terrors of which they dare not speak. Yes, it's the first in a new series of strange tales by The Whistler. Long the West's most popular mystery and a CBS favorite of last summer, The Whistler now brings his unusual stories of conflict and emotion to coast-to-coast audiences each Wednesday evening at this same time. Tonight, The Whistler's story, A Woman's Privilege. In the drawing room of a palatial home in Newport, hang a pair of priceless oil paintings. One of an Italian nobleman, the other his wife. The surfaces are cracked, the frames old and worm-eaten, but the colors are as fresh and brilliant as if they were painted yesterday. There's a strange connection between the paintings and a sordid, ugly scene in a New York police station not far from the East River. It was very late, and in the next room, a homicide lieutenant was grilling a suspect. The charge was murder. And one of my favorite programs was the tracer of lost persons, Mr. Keen. It's time now for Mr. Keen, tracer of lost persons. Miss Carson, my name is Keen, and this is my partner, Mike Clancy. We're investigating the murder of Donald Travers, your niece's husband. We will have to take the case by Jane Travers, your niece. May we come in? Presenting Mr. Keene, Tracer of Lost Persons, in our new Mr. Keene series, in which the kindly old investigator brings to us his most celebrated cases on Mondays through Fridays at this same time. Tonight, the Shrieking Prisoner Murder Case. The scene opens at night in a large, old-fashioned house in a lonely section of New York City. A young man has just entered the darkened interior, and as he moves across the room, he hears a sudden, blood-curdling shriek of frustration and anguish coming from another part of the house. (coughs) The young man stands frozen for a moment. Then as he quickly moves to a door and opens it, a shot rings out. later, a murderer peers down with grim satisfaction at the figure on the floor, the lifeless body of a young man with a bullet through his heart. And now, Mr. Keene, the famous investigator, and his partner, Mike Clancy, are looking into the murder. The scene of the crime is a home owned by two weird sisters, Martha and Amy Carson. And the murdered man is their niece's young husband. Why has he been murdered? Mr. Keene is first attempting to find the source of the frightful shrieking which has been heard in the house. But he and Mike are being blocked by Martha Carson and Luther Prague, her burly handyman, who has entered the room with an axe in his hand. As Mr. Keene says, Martha Carson, 
I'm here with my partner, Mike Clancy, to investigate the murder of young Donald Travers. I suggest you tell your handyman to let us go upstairs. If you try to prevent us, you'll only put yourself further under suspicion for the murder that occurred in this house last night. Around 1955, Milt Larson and I had a radio program on which we did parodies of other shows. It didn't last long, and we both went on to other things. Milt opened the famous Magic Castle, a popular private club in Hollywood, and I spent a couple of years inventing the game Pass Out. Actually, the inventing wasn't so difficult, but the research kept me dizzy for months. Anyway, on one of our programs, we did a spoof of the Mr. Keene program, and it went something like this. It's time now for Mr. Lost, Tracer of Keen Persons. As our story opens, we find Mr. Lost and his partner, Mike Lancy, in Mr. Lost's study. Mike speaks. Well, boss, Mr. Lost, Tracer of Keen Persons, we certainly took care of those hoodlums. Tom Hago, the leader of the gang, and his henchmen, Edward Metcalf, Rudy Norris, Rex Sims, Jack Freed, Joe Creta, Charles Grove, Ralph Marvin, Paul Antonio, and William Carlin. And Mike, my partner, don't forget Harry Klein, beloved friend of Tom Hago, uh, the leader of the gang. Right, boss. But how about the murdered girl, Mary Hepperman, and her mother, Alice Wilson, and her father, Alfred Hicks? I'm sure they'll get along all right. After Mary Hepperman's funeral, uh, the murdered girl... Alfred Hicks and Alice Wilson, her mother and father, went to live with Fred and Barbara Tad, their friends that live just two and one-half blocks down the street. And is it true, boss, that Stan Reed, the paper boy who found Mary Hepperman's body, the murdered girl, is being sent through college by R.B. Stanley, the grandfather of the murdered girl? Yes, Mike Lancy, my true and trusted partner. That's true. Well, Mr. Lost, Tracer of keen persons, sir. I guess that brings the case of the murdered girl, Mary Hepperman, to a close. Yes, it does, Michael Lancy. And now, I suggest it's time to open a new case. All right, Mr. Loss, sir. And so the kindly old investigator brings to a close another of his missing cases cases. Tune in next time for Mr. Lost, Tracer of Keen Persons. Well, that wraps up another edition of the Golden Days of Radio. I hope you've enjoyed the past half hour. And here's a thought to remember. All military personnel are encouraged to use their authorized leave to the maximum extent possible. Railroads, air, and bus lines offer reduced fares for military leave travel. But make sure you know in advance all the requirements and necessary forms or papers to obtain, both your leave and the reduced travel rates. This is Frank Brzee in Hollywood, California, inviting you to join me next time for more great moments from radio programs of the past. This is the United States Armed Forces Radio Service.